0: Share the wonder of God's love this Christmas. There's something special for everyone on your Christmas list at Focus on the Family Canada. You'll find new adventures and all your favorites from Adventures in Odyssey and insightful devotionals, fun-filled entertainment to bring your entire family together and so much more. Share your faith and hope with others this Christmas season. Shop online at shop.focusonthefamily.ca And remember, your purchase helps support Canadian families.
1: For the most part, I believe that I handle my money well.
2: Do I handle my money well? In a word? No.
1: No, I don't handle money very well. I have a spending problem, so I have to try and manage my money well. I'm learning to do that.
2: Money tends to be slippery. It goes places, and I don't realize... It's leaking and going places.
3: I just kind of write checks until he puts a little posting on my checkbook that says, stop spending money. (laughs) And then I stop.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe those comments reflect some of the challenges going on in your marriage and home. And it is funny to laugh about our differences. But what if your spouse handles money in a way that drives you crazy? Today on Focus on the Family, we're going to explore how husbands and wives navigate financial issues and what kind of impact that has on your marriage. Your host is Focus president and
2: author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I think those giggles were kind of nervous giggles, don't you think? When you talk about the issue of money, it can bring up some nerves because it's not handled that well by many. Uh, It's one of the top two things we talk about. Intimacy in marriage and money in marriage are kind of the two biggest issues people face. And uh, man, we are going to get into that today and talk about how you can manage it better and honor the Lord in the way you manage it. Uh, We know that finances are important and we need to talk about it, but there can be that angst and tension whenever the topic comes up. And Maybe you feel defensive about it, and it ends up in an argument, or you'd rather avoid getting into that argument so you just don't say anything. That's what we're talking about, and uh, trust me, I think many of us have been there at some point or another. Um, I know it's been the experience of our guests today, and that's why they're here. They've written a book about it, uh, much of it from their own experience, which is always good. Uh, So I think what they're trying to say is, we're not perfect, but we've learned some things.
0: And that applies to everybody at the table, I think, here, Jim. None of us is perfect, (laughs) and uh, we're so glad to have Jeff and Shanti Feldhahn here uh, in the studio. They've been with us a number of times, and Shanti is a very popular speaker, author, and social researcher. Uh, Jeff is the president and CEO of a tech company, and uh, they've written a book called Thriving in Love and Money, Five Game-Changing Insights about Your Relationship, Your Money, and Yourself. And we'll encourage you to stop by our website to get a copy.
2: That's FocusOnTheFamily.ca. Jeff and Shanti, welcome back to Focus on the Family. It's great to be here. It's
3: always good to be here. All right.
2: You've done this extensive research project on this topic of money and marriage. Uh, I think it took you three years, something like <laughs> yes, that. It that's did. a long time. You know, that's almost out of diapers, I would think. <laughs> three years. Obviously. <laughs> that's a lot of research. Uh, yet, in doing it, you noticed uh, you had some personal challenges. It's always funny when researchers notice that. Uh, I got a problem in my own marriage here. <laughs> oh. So what happened? What was the light bulb? When did you go, uh-oh?
1: You know, we'd studied relationships and couples and ourselves all sorts of for things. decades now. But this was one area that we just weren't on the same page about. And, you know, when it came to how to handle money, quite frankly, Shanti and I just avoided it altogether. We didn't
3: fight about it. No. We just really avoided the topic. We kind of did one of those things that we have now found that is the majority of couples where you're technically together, but you sort of like, no, you do your thing over here and I'll do my thing over here and we just don't talk about it. Yeah,
2: well, for the benefit of the listener, the viewer, uh, describe your money personality. Uh, Jeff, what were you? What are you?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of a... Um, a black and white. At least I think of myself as that way. Shanti might think of myself as... <laughs> no, you are as, black okay. and white. And, and, and true. I, and I Validation. Like, I like the planning for the future. I love having a plan and executing toward it. And saver. And Because saver. of that. Yeah, that yeah. would tend to follow. Yeah, and I Shanti, think I know where this is going, Shanti. Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like much of a plan, and a sale is a good thing. You can a buy more. A sale
3: is a great thing. Yes. No, it's really interesting, because Jeff being the saver, means being more the spender. This is a classic dichotomy And, and she we wasn't discovered. a
1: huge spender. Yeah. I mean,
2: but she spent more than I did. Well, the fact that you didn't talk about it suggests that, that yeah. it never became kind of catastrophic. Mm. It was just bubbling there.
3: Yeah, and that's the vast majority of couples come to find out, is that we're not necessarily knocked down drag-out fighting. Now, there are <laughs> a few who do, but most of us just aren't on the same page. We found 77% of couples just don't... Talk about it. Like Mm. they can't talk and communicate and without it getting awkward and difficult. Only 23% can. And by the way, if I can just point out the 23% of you who are listening, and you're like, what are you guys talking about? You're right, like, foreign language. We, we think of you all as sort of mutants, you know? like, <laughs> <Just, laughs> I don't understand you, but I do know that that cadre exists. Well,
2: we were, one of the questions I had, what in the 23% did you see in the research mm-hmm. if you went that deep? What were they doing that was so uh-huh. right?
3: Well, one of the things that, well, it is the thing that they were doing. It is for a subset of the population. They just kind of have no either no disagreements, which is unusual, or they're just okay with talking about money. It doesn't stir up a lot of emotions. It doesn't become awkward. It's just their personality. You just happen to have, for example, two planners who are married to each other, Right. and they're totally fine so with I talking get you about and it.
2: You get me, and everything's yeah. great. And well, everything's in cool. that area, it's going to be good, but there'll yeah. probably be other areas
1: that might
3: other areas things that to work cause on. problems. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. exactly.
1: Yeah. One of the things that always got me as we were uncovering this research and the importance of being able to talk about it was, you know, that's easy to say, but what that really amounts to is that I have to actually understand what's going on inside of me so that I can mm-hmm. actually talk about it, you know, wisely or carefully or helpfully with Shaunti. And I didn't understand the way money hit me and made me feel differently from the way it made Shanti feel.
3: And that's really the bottom line that we found is at the core of the inability to communicate about money. It turns out it's not when you're having tension – it's not about the money. Right. It's about how money makes you feel. It's
2: something underneath. I was going to ask that in terms of triggers. You know, yeah. in marriage, we often talk about emotional triggers and how that sets your spouse off when you look at them a certain way or you say something in a certain <laughs> way. We
3: have no because idea. Because it was the way about. their
2: father treated <laughs> yes, them or exactly. something like that. And there's legitimacy to that. We don't want to discount that. How do you apply that kind of thing to the money issue, the underlying issues, like when Jeff says to you, Come on, let's get a plan. And you go, Oh, that makes me feel horrible. Why? Why?
3: I'll give you a real life example, and this is hugely embarrassing to admit on the radio, but I'm going to tell you anyway.
2: Exclusive by Focus on the Family,
3: (laughs) kind of. (laughs) Which is one of the things that had happened in our life for years is that Jeff had always wanted to go to Dave Ramsey at our church to go to the course and do the stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, buddy, you know, I'm I'm going to miss so many of those classes because I'm going to be on the road and I have an event, and you know, I'm not going to be able to be there all the time." And I wouldn't have been able to put into words. That what it actually was, and Jeff actually helped diagnose this. I don't know if you want to explain this.
1: Yeah, I, I realized that you know what Shanti was really afraid of? Was me. Confrontation. Was, no. no. Or... Was that I was gonna come out all fired oh. up about this and put the family on the equivalent of a five hundred calorie a day diet. Right. And that we wouldn't be enjoying life particularly well
3: and the thing is we wouldn't have been able to put into words that that was one of the big things that was my reluctance and we have to learn to diagnose that in order to come together well
2: Well, and again you've done the research that's 77 percent. that's a preponderance of the folks what are the risk factors if they don't start thinking differently about it what are those you know if you're talking to a doctor if you're eating ice cream Uh, There's a risk factor here. You're going to have heart disease, most likely. So, in the money area, for those 77%, if they don't start dealing with this, what are those risk factors?
3: Well, what ends up happening, we found, is that it ends up shaking people apart instead of bringing them together. Because around this topic of money, this is an example of one of those cases where you're going in one of those two directions. And it is a classic thing that we talk about, you talk about that marriage is supposed to be one, you know, that we're supposed to have two people become one. And money is the one area for a lot of couples mm. where that just doesn't apply. And people are resisting kind of being one in marriage and it's coming out in how they handle money. And so those choices to not talk about it are those choices to actually institutionalize This is you and me, it's not we. And when you switch that and go, wow, this is actually way more simple than I would have thought. To be able to understand what's going on underneath the surface, to be able to actually come together, suddenly money is no longer an opportunity for conflict. It's this fantastic opportunity for connection and closeness. Let me
2: let me throw this out there again for the listener and the viewer because this caught my attention. You said that in the research that if you share separate bank accounts, that you keep your money separate, what he makes, what she makes – and you negotiate all the time about who's paying for what, your marriage is likely to be twice at risk.
3: Yes. it's Twice
2: as much at risk. Is that fair? Did yes, I read that right? Yes, you did.
3: It is essentially what we found is that the happiness factor in marriage, sort of that that enjoyment, is that if you're not being one, you're twice as likely to not have that sense of being happy in marriage. Right. Because this is one of these things that we interface with every single day. This is something that you can't get away from. Money like permeates everything.
1: And I think one of the challenges for most of that 77% is that we've kind of all learned how to just cope with this. So it's one of those things that we almost don't even recognize that we're coping. We've learned how to just get along by, as Shanti says, institutionalizing some things. This is the way you do things. This is the way I do things. But it isn't oneness. It isn't thriving in your relationship. And what happens is I then begin to build up these assumptions about Shanti, that she's just this way. Taken to the extreme, I can have that assumption be... She's just got a character flaw in this area. She's just wrong, and that runs. But you through never my, say that. Oh no! <laughs> but but it does run
3: through well, my mind, and
1: it comes out in and, and it some does. way in some way.
3: It, it comes out for anyone who recognizes this dynamic, which is probably the majority of people. It comes out in the little eye rolls or mm. the feeling that, you know, one person is feeling shame or embarrassment. The other person is feeling a sense of superiority. Sorry, I don't mean to put it that way. I'm looking at you. As I'm saying <laughs> you are looking this. at him. <laughs> but, but he's raising his hand because this is a common, common dynamic. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we found in that if you're going to get kind of what's underneath the dynamic, it really comes down to recognizing that some of these cases, it's not that one person is right and the other person is wrong. We're just different.
2: Let's uh, get to a simple illustration of this. You had a Diet Coke example and everybody's going, what? So how did Diet Coke
1: inform you about your money? You know, this was years and years before we ever did any of this research, before we were ever writing any books. Well, this
3: we were newlyweds. We were
1: were newlyweds living in New York. We had a huge amount of student loan debt. I worked at a big law firm in New York, and Shanti worked down on Wall Street. I worked all the time, but we tried to carve out at least one or two nights a week where we would get dinner together, and then I'd go back to the office, of course. Um, But as we were sitting down having dinner, Shanti, the waiter, would come by, and Shanti would go. He'd ask for the drink order, and she'd order a Diet Coke. And I would, of course, order water, because water's free. How insensitive of you, Shanti. I didn't realize it So in my my mind, I would be a little annoyed. Didn't necessarily know why, but, you know, it would kind of get over it, and the meal would go on. And then, the waiter would always come by near the end of the meal and say, can I get you anything else? To which, at that time, she'd say, can I have another Diet Coke? And, of course, anyone who lives in New York knows that There's no such thing as a free refill in (laughs) Manhattan. So, of course, that's now, say, nine bucks between two Diet Cokes. I'm adding that up every time thinking she really doesn't care about our student loan debt. So how did you approach this? Oh, I just shut down. Oh, okay. And just be annoyed. And she didn't know what was going on. She knew that I was upset almost every meal when it ended. And I didn't know why I was really (laughs) upset because that was all kind of going on underneath the surface inside of me.
3: And it wasn't honestly until we started writing the book and doing this research that we were able to sort of talk back and sort of re-engineer, reverse engineer, and back to what we originally talked about at the time, months later, was I was finally able to say, well, what what it is, and this was, again, the newlywed years, we didn't know this about each other. He didn't know at the time that I actually don't like the taste of water. And I really, I know it's weird. I'm one of these people. I just don't like the taste of water. And so I don't enjoy a meal out if I can't have something to drink with I think it.
2: water technically is tasteless, but. <laughs> not in New York. There, every, yeah, every, that's true. Not in New York, baby. Everybody
3: else is, who's listening to this is going, yes, you're weird. And there's a few of you who go, yes, because that's them too. But.
2: I feel the, the same about uh, asparagus, so don't worry Okay, about well, it. there
3: you go. Well. The thing for us that we wouldn't have known if we hadn't talked about it is that this was just an example of the fact that we were valuing two different things. Mm. And this is a common daily source of friction for a lot of couples. They don't realize that what's going on under the surface is – you're just not valuing what the other person is valuing. Mm. You kind of think of your way subconsciously as just being kind of right. Like, this is, of course, this is just the way you do it. And you don't realize a different person, it's legitimate that they might value something different. Yeah.
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
3: I remember just getting like really panicky, like, no, I have to figure this out right now because my, my son's going to come home from school in like two hours and I have to know what to say.
2: When Holly's son was considering suicide, she called a Focus on the Family counselor.
3: All those years I'd been listening to Focus, I was thinking about how they were like that practical guide for me. That was sound advice I could get from them. I didn't really know where else to turn.
2: I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue hurting parents like Holly and give families hope.
3: We need the truth that Focus on the Family brings into our minds and into our homes. We need that if we're going to raise up the next generation of believers to walk in obedience and to walk in the truth that God loves us.
2: Donate today at focusonthefamily.ca slash give and your gift will be doubled.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: Uh, Shanti, again in the research, you found five what you termed insights that really stuck out for you for the healthier side of this. What are those five insights?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the first one that we cover is this concept of you just don't realize you're not valuing what the other person values right like yeah. like the diet coke example you just don't realize that's what's underneath the surface in a huge percent of cases and that by the way that doesn't have to just be the diet coke that can be things like you you'd value differently about spending money to save time like jeff always it would drive him nuts
1: when she would we'd want to go out to a, a movie with the family and she would go online and Order the tickets online and pay a service fee so that we could reserve the seats. And that was extra money in my mind because, you know, you just get there early, you stand in line, you get the seats you want anyway. <laughs> and to, for her, standing in line when she could pay two bucks per ticket was a trade off she would make mm-hmm. every day of the week. In and, addition
2: to that jumbo Diet Coke yes, for $14. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Jim.
3: Thank you. Yes. So that's an example of those value differences. There are so many of them, and I know we don't have time to cover them here. Um, but the next topic that we covered, actually, also, in addition to valuing different things, we also don't realize that we actually have different insecurities and different fears and worries around money. That's a big Big deal. And
1: and the big insight, at least for me in that one, was that we use money to calm those insecurities. But one of the big problems is by me using money to calm my particular insecurity, it's often making her insecurity worse, Mm -hmm. her anxiety, her worry worse. Well, that's a revelation, actually, that right
2: there. If you're using money to medicate emotionally, either by saving ridiculously or spending ridiculously, that's a problem right there. So how do you come together and say, time out, we're doing something wrong?
3: The most important thing is to realize that these fears are actually there in yourself and in your spouse. Most people don't even realize that. This actually was one of the few areas in the research that turned out to be pretty strongly correlated with gender, The fear of men statistically was much more likely to be this gut level worry of am I going to be able to provide for the family? Like this feeling like I'm always going to be on the edge of not being able to and constantly in the back of their mind. That was more than two thirds of men and in previous surveys, even a higher number. And so because of that, there is a A real need to try to stay away from that. Like, okay, so I'll work a lot of extra hours. So the boss sees me as indispensable. Like that's a way of medicating, right? Like that's a way of saying, I'm going to do whatever I can to soothe that fear. Well, guess what? That takes you away from home. As a dad, right? So your wife now is going, but we're distant. We're not spending time together. You're missing Johnny's basketball games. And so it triggers what is more likely statistically to be the woman's fear, where a guy is wondering, Am I going to be able to provide? Mm-hmm. She is more likely to be wondering, Are we okay? Like, is the family okay? Is everybody feeling loved? You know, that emotional security. And so what a woman statistically is more likely to do is, okay, so how can we spend more time together? Let's go bowling. Let's go out to dinner. Let's spend time. Let's go on vacation. Well, guess what? That costs money. And so it triggers more of his need. Okay, now I need to work more hours to provide. Mm -hmm. And so those things we do to try to soothe our fears can, without intending to, make our partner's fears worse. We just have to be able to talk about those things. Uh,
1: Can I share a quick little example of how it would play out in our family? So when our kids were little, and invariably, some night of the week, one of the kids would wander into our bedroom and say, my throat's kind of sore, to which Shanti would immediately go into the mode of, tomorrow we got to get them to the pediatrician and get a strep test. Now, we're self-employed. We don't you know, we don't have typical health insurance. So what that would mean is that I'm already adding up thinking, we're going to go get a strep test. That's going to be 100 to $150 out of pocket. <laughs> and eight out of the last 10 strep tests have come up negative. So I'm thinking, I want to take a wait-and-see approach. Let's see if they get worse. Shanti is thinking, no, I got to figure this out now because it's an anxiety. It's care for my kids. Now, Honestly, I would go to her, and I would try to use this example, and I'd say, look, pioneer children didn't run off to the pediatrician every time that they had a sore throat. (laughs) Broken
3: leg? What's a broken leg? And they died. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. So I needed a better example. But the bottom line is I could put that out of my mind because my worry was, how are we going to pay for this? Her worry was something totally different. Well,
2: it's interesting, too. And, again, we're talking gender, but I tend to be more like Shanti in that, Mm. and Jane's more like you. Mm. Okay, good. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, yeah. well, I'm more like, let's get him to the doctor. She's like, why?
3: This And this is a perfect <laughs> example, Jim, honestly, of the fact that that's why we have to be super careful when we talk about this. Because if two-thirds of people felt this way, that means one-third didn't, right? And that it right. is flipped. Mm-hmm. The key is you're never going to be able to talk about it if you don't understand, understand yeah. what's going on under the surface. Yeah, and
2: I think maybe I've waited too long to insert this question, but the Lord and where is God in all this? And yeah. how do you honor? him, and you're just treading water. So you don't, in Christian marriages particularly, you just don't want to survive. It's what we say every day, John, we want to thrive Mm -hmm. in Christ. And I I guess right at the end here, how do we do that? How do we increase our communication? What are those things that are rooted in biblical principle to say, okay, we're going to do something different today, honey. And what do you do that's different?
3: One of the key things that you can do that is totally different is for you to examine where are you in your oneness around money. Um, because we all know that we're supposed to be two people who become one. And yet, when it comes to this topic, often we're not. We found that was the case for more than 80% of people, Was is that there's a significant issue of some kind where you're thinking of this as more of a coping, as more of a you do your thing, I do my thing, and for example, there were a ton of people, almost half of people, Christians and not, who even were keeping separate bank accounts so that they didn't have to talk about money. Like your paycheck goes into yours, my paycheck goes into mine, and it just keeps it easy. Like you pay these bills, I pay these bills, we don't have to come together. Now, some of the folks listening to this are going, well, that's not me. You know, we, we share bank accounts, we're one. And okay, maybe you are, but maybe ask yourself Do you ever try to pull the Amazon package off the front step before your spouse sees it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just as much of trying to avoid being one and doing what you want to do as people who separate their accounts entirely. And that is not the oneness God has for us. Mm. We have to be willing to examine our own feelings and actions around whether we are trying to institutionalize oneness the way God asks us to or not.
1: Yeah. And I think it's just, I mean, exactly what Shanti is saying. It's humility. I may not be right on everything that I perceive or think about. And I may have things to learn about myself and things to learn about my spouse. And the thing is with the research and the principles that we were able to uncover through it, I mean, they'll work. They'll help you. Um, if you are a non believer, I mean, you can apply those things and they will improve your relationship around money. Interesting. But as believers, we also have the Holy Spirit in our marriage with us. And honestly, with that humility, with that asking God to help show you what is it inside of me that's causing me to feel this way? I didn't realize I had some core root or reason for it. And what's inside of her? And you ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate that and to lead you into all truth, I think that's the advantage.
2: (laughs) Well, you said it, and that's a good place to end where we can start today uh, by sitting down uh, with our spouse and being humble about maybe how I've been looking at money, Mm -hmm. maybe the wrong approach. And I like, Shanti, what you're saying, and it's so scriptural to start with yourself I mean, how many times, John, have we mentioned that no matter the topic, when it comes to marriage, that's the best place to go? Not straightening out your spouse. Uh, Let the Lord do that work, but work on yourself because that's all you can control. Mm -hmm. We say that over and over again, certainly having expectations and hopes for your marriage, et cetera. And if you need help, we're here to help you. And uh, we have caring Christian counselors that can guide you in this discussion process, give you more information. Of course, uh, Jeff and Shanti's wonderful book, Thriving in Love and Money, what a great resource let's get working. 23% is not enough of the married couples doing well in this area. Uh, obviously, the church needs to set the example, so let's get going on it. I might suggest
0: you talk about, as a couple, getting this book and see what that does. It might surface some issues. Uh, our number here at Focus on the Family is 800, the letter A, and the word family. We're online. We're at focusonthefamily.ca. And Jim, we should mention a couple of things. Uh, We have the, the list of five things kind of summarized that we've talked about here just a little bit. We're going to have that online, and then we're also going to suggest that people take our marriage assessment. Uh, I think almost a million people have taken this. It's just a very quick uh, survey of uh, where you're at. It's going to give some great ideas about strengths and weaknesses in your relationship. Again, get the book, uh, find the list, donate if you
2: can, and take that marriage assessment, all at focusonthefamily.ca. Jeff and Shanti, again, thank you for your examples, for that humility, Mm -hmm. and that openness. It really is helpful to all of us uh, to apply to our own lives. Thanks for being with us. It's been a pleasure.
3: Thanks so much.
0: On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.